Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back to another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL, um, as... All of you know, has been absolutely insane over the last few weeks. I think it's like three, three and a half weeks since Russell Wilson got traded and it just hasn't stopped. Tyreek Hill, of course, switching teams this week, going down to Miami. Uh, Feels like it came out of nowhere, but apparently it was kind of in the works. The Chiefs knew that he was not going to be with the team over the last couple of weeks. And just to put it into, into perspective, I already mentioned Russell Wilson, but Carson Wentz, Khalil Mack, Amari Cooper, Yannick Ngakwe, Devontae Adams, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, and now Tyreek Hill. Oh, and also Tom Brady retired and then unretired. Like it's been just an absolutely insane few weeks across the NFL. So let me welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kate Magic of DK Nation. Initial thoughts, fantasy impact, Chiefs moving Tyreek Hill. I kind of want to start with the Miami Dolphins point of view here. And me and Justice have talked about it quite a bit this week. But, you know, Tua, but they are loading up on weapons. It it feels like there's enough weapons there that this Miami Dolphins offense is legitimately intriguing as we head into the next fantasy football season. Oh, they are so intriguing. I'm very excited to see what Tua can actually do when he's surrounded by capable talent. Um, the narrative that Tua Tagovailoa cannot throw the ball downfield is complete boo hockey. I want to call the BS on that. Tua can deliver an accurate football. Um, and like these are two wide receivers in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill who are going to either take him to the next next level of his play or they're going to be out because they have the draft capital to to make some changes here pretty quickly and and decide to move on. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think there could have been a better uh, situation for Tua at this point. I think he's going to finish the season as a fringe quarterback one. Uh, you know, mobility hasn't been like a, a center part of his game, especially after the the hip injury. But we know he's he's a capable mo- mobile guy who now has some of the best receiving weapons in the NFL. Like, uh, I think it's going to be really hard to rank him outside of your top 12 quarterbacks in the 2022 season. At the very least, there's no more excuses moving forward, right? Like, this is we're, – we're going to figure out exactly where Tua is this year because it seems like this really is the team kind of building around him. Um, you look at what some of these other, you know, Shanahan-style offenses have done, you know, recently – you look at wide receiver, the Rams have never had this type of speed at wide out. Like they've never gone after smaller guys like this. San Francisco, they at times guys like Manny Sanders, right? Like have been able to do that. Um, Godwin or Goodwin um, was kind of that guy. The Packers have never kind of had that type of speed there. So 
it looks like this is probably going to be something closer to like the Bengals offense than like the true kind of Shanahan tree type of uh type of teams because it's really hard to say like they're gonna run what San Francisco San Francisco ran when all the all those other teams are built on wide receivers who are like 210 and above in terms of weight but they have you know Tyreek Hill Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki who just doesn't block if you even consider him a tight end really he's, he's a slot receiver. receiver yeah he, he's a receiver so it's gonna be interesting to see kind of how this is built out mind you this is the same Dolphins team that's signed two fullbacks since uh, McDaniel has taken over. So I don't know how this team is like actually going to look on the field, like what they're going to run. Um, but they certainly have a ton of fun weapons. I mean, with Cedric Wilson is kind of like I, I thought was one of the more underrated signings, you know, in free agency. He was a guy that I thought was clearly, you know, a top on, on most NFL rosters. He's a top three wide receiver. And he was basically allowed to just walk for free from Dallas. Um, and then they're getting Mostert and Chase Edmonds, two guys with speeds out of speed out of the backfield. So they definitely have, you know, the, the threat of speed, there's team speed there on the offensive side. Plus the addition of Teron Armstead at tackle. It's not like the dolphins have taken up until what Tuesday, they hadn't taken a bunch of big swings in free agency. It was like a lot of like mid tier moves that you're like, okay, I'm sure that'll work out, but you haven't really changed the identity of your team. Then they add Teron Armstead, the number one free agent on the market, and they trade for Tyreek Hill, which seemingly came out of nowhere. Um, apparently that Devontae Adams deal that was spun from the new Copkins deal just like derailed the entire wide receiver market. And the Chiefs were like, I'm, we're just out. We're out on paying a receiver that much. Yeah, it's just I, I'm trying to think of another team where I was like, They've got that much speed, like on paper, like, like they're fast, like they might be the fastest team in the NFL. And, you know, the Chiefs have probably been the closest thing to that over the last few years where Andy Reid just tries to acquire all these guys who give them an ability to create these explosive plays. And it seems like that's what Miami is doing. It's you mentioned everybody that they've added and then. As of right now, they still have Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. I would imagine maybe they move Devontae Parker at some point because that wide receiver group is so deep now. And they're paying, the Green Bay, baby. And, Pick and, Pick. Let's do it. Yeah, and, and they're paying Tyreek Hill so much money. I, they chose to bring back Preston Williams this offseason, so I would have to imagine they want to see what's going on there with him. You know, He's an undrafted player, but a wide receiver with some untapped potential, probably, who – has had some injury problems over the last couple of years, but could be a playmaker for them. So Devontae Parker might be on the move, but the speed on this offense is something to seriously consider when you're drafting in your upcoming fantasy drafts. And Kate, I'm actually curious, like Tyreek Hill with Patrick Mahomes is, you know, top three to five wide receiver in all likelihood in, in everybody's fantasy rankings headed into next season. But without Patrick Mahomes, with Tua, like, does that drastically affect where you're going to put him and add into the fact that they have Jalen Waddle, Or is it still just Tyreek Hill still the fastest wide receiver in the NFL? He's still really, really good. He's got to be a top five kind of player. I mean, I think like it, the versatility, the speed, uh, all of those those things that Tyreek Hill is bringing with him to Miami, uh, that all keeps him in the conversation for another top 12 performance. Is he going to finish top five in 2022? 
I think the biggest barrier to that would be Jalen Waddell and the amount of volume that we saw him get in the first year of his NFL career. But you go back again and like the lack of sample size here is really hard. Um, the number of moving pieces is really hard to assess. But I mean, you don't make that kind of financial investment in Tyreek Hill to have him sitting secondary to Jalen Waddell. Um, I, I think that, you know, the presence of both of them on the field at the same time, even if there is a decrease in volume for Tyreek Hill, should uh, be good and boast well for his efficiency. And I, I, I think that's where that upside is going to be found. But um, I, I don't see him falling out of the top 12. I think this is just going to be, uh, unless Tua absolutely bombs and bombs this season, I mean, this is a, a an offense that I think is rhyme for uh, ripe for a, a solid passing attack, and Tyreek Hill is going to be the focal point there. I I think the floor too on Tyreek is kind of elevated when you started hearing the stuff where they're like, we're going to use Tyreek like we use you know Debo Samuel in in San Francisco. It's like, well, if you're going to manufacture touches for him, he's going to get his production. That my big question there is like. If you're using Tyreek Hill on like end arounds and stuff like that, what are you doing with Jalen Waddle? Because is he blocking? Because he's he's a fairly small guy, and that's not necessarily his game. So that that's kind of my big question. Plus the fact that they already have all these running backs. So if we're manufacturing touches for Tyreek Hill, that's probably taking carries away in the run game, and they already have you know three guys that we've talked about who who can get carries out of the backfield too. So. But they have so like though they have bodies there. I wouldn't argue that the investment has been made in the run game the way that it has yeah. been in, in the receiving game. So I think just the way they've utilized those resources and what they've put into like it, I, you know, maybe there's, there's bodies in the running game, but I mean, the, the quality of investment is much lower than what they've done for Tua. I, I just think this is like, I mean, we talk about this from a, a fantasy perspective, right? I want to spin this real quick to the sports betting perspective. Are the Miami Dolphins the best value right now to win Super Bowl 57? Because right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, they're sitting at plus 3,000. And I think that's a bargain. They're like middle of the pack in terms of their Super Bowl odds. But I mean, this is a team that we just like barely saw miss out on the playoffs last season. Um, made it the year before, like they, they are this fringe team. And then they took this fringe team and they built upon that so significantly this week. Um, I don't know how we're not rating them higher in, uh, the mix for the Super Bowl conversation next year. My big hesitation there is like when Teddy Bridgewater and you know, is up there on the press conference <laughs> and they're asking him like, Hey, were you here to be a backup? And he's like, oh, I'm not here to comment on that. It's like, ah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they told Teddy. Teddy got a decent amount of money for a backup quarterback. I, I still kind of view this as a team that's like trying to figure out who they want to be their 17 game starter at quarterback. But I'm genuinely curious. What do you think Teddy Bridgewater is bringing to the conversation that Tua is not already bringing? Cause I think we know what Teddy Bridgewater is. We know his upside. We know his floor, you know, what Teddy Bridgewater is. Mm -hmm. um, and he's a quarterback that, is he really solid game manager can probably manufacture eight wins to a, we have no idea what his ceiling is. Cause I, I mean, uh, year one coming back from the hip injury taken on and off the field, like just Russian roulette style with, uh, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then last season, we saw them rally in the second half of the season. I, he had a good year despite um, not balling out as a passer. Like, this was just a solid team. I don't know. Like, if you're going all in, I, I, I'm I, going to gamble with the guy that I think has the much higher upside, which is why they took him at number five overall to begin with. That's fair. But they, they, last year even, too, they were doing all that weird stuff. Like, the what was it, the Baltimore Ravens game on – I think that was Thursday night football where they're they're trying to get Jacoby Brissett the ball. And then they, they basically had to play Tua. And I think Tua had like his longest pass attempt in his NFL career in that game when, you know, Baltimore was doing all their crazy, their crazy blitzes, even though the fact that like they didn't have any corners left in the game anymore. And Tua was able to kind of burn them a little bit. Um, I We just haven't seen consistency in like the franchise just willing to let to a play football. So I, I'm just not going to assume it until it happens, but I understand like the upside stuff and we know who Teddy is. I mean, I was a big advocate for like Denver, even just throwing out drew lock out there last year, just to see like what he has and like, see if he could get any sort of developmental reps at all, because Teddy just like, he's going to check it down all the time. I just think that like, if you're running an RPO game where, um, you know, you're, you're trying to manufacture touches for Jalen Waddle that way, or even Tyreek Hill, and you're manufacturing touches with Tyreek Hill doing some of the Debo Samuel stuff. Like, there's a way to kind of just have a steady Eddie back there and just assume, like, okay, we can compete. The big thing I kind of worry about in terms of the identity of this team and, like, the teams that they are playing, I understand they're in Miami, right? It's, it's a fast track. It's going to be hot. Like, there, there's not going to be a ton of – uh, weather impacting games in Miami. But at the end of the season, when they start loading in, you know, these divisional games and you're on the road in Buffalo, New York, uh, New England, what does this team look like? Cause they're, they're not a very, they're not, they don't have use check. They don't have Kittle, right? Like they don't have big body guys that, that can help in the run game very much. It seems like kind of like a speed finesse type of offense, which is definitely going to win them some games. Don't get me wrong about that, but, if it comes down to like the late rush, you know, in December, maybe January, they're trying to push for the playoffs and you're getting weather in New York or Buffalo or New England. What, what What's the game plan for this? Because it's not to a throwing through weather it, it, for deep balls to Tyreek, right? When when Belichick is coaching up against you or McDermott or any of those guys. I think that the the deep ball stuff with Tyreek is going to take a hit no matter what when we go when we talk about Tua or, or Teddy or who or whoever. And you know, if it is Teddy, I, I think it's just a, a huge organizational indictment on what they think of Tua. But I have to believe headed into this season that Tua is going to be the guy and they're going to try to build around that. And we saw Tyreek Hill's explosive downfield plays really slow up this past season and part of that is how teams were playing the kansas city chiefs and and it's not that tyreek hill can't still get downfield the way that he always has like he's still a really explosive player but i would have to imagine the thought is just let's just try to get these guys into space let's get them the ball as fast as possible and get it out of to his hands and so i would assume that that's probably uh what's going into the thought process there so even in those like cold weather games or, yeah, I, I don't agree or I don't think that they are, like you said, a, a big physical team like that. But it's just we're just faster than everybody else. And we just got to win with our speed and we got to break tackles. And so that's kind of what they're hoping every everybody's going to be able to do 
in that offense. So I'm intrigued to see what uh, Mike McDaniel does with this group. Um, But the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously very thin at wide receiver now after trading away their superstar playmaker in Tyreek Hill. They did sign Marquez Valdez-Scantling to a three-year, $30 million contract with $18 million guaranteed yesterday. Of course, they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, they hosted former Bucks running back Ronald Jones and apparently have real interest in him. Justice, as the MVS expert on the podcast, I- I'm curious how you feel about him stepping into this Chiefs offense. Obviously, we know he's an explosive downfield threat. And that's, I think, the biggest part of his game. But what can Chiefs fans expect? What can fantasy managers expect? Like, is there some legit untapped upside that the Packers weren't getting out of MVS that possibly Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can get? Well, one, Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in the league, right? So if if anyone's going to get more out of him, it'll be him. Um, I will say a lot of Packers fans – probably underrated MVS's contributions a little bit just because they say like, you know, 49% of his targets or whatever actually ended up getting caught. That's kind of who he is. Like a lot of the things that MVS brings to the table don't necessarily benefit him specifically in fantasy production. Um, I don't think a guy like Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb ends up getting as much production as they got last year. If MVS isn't, you know, taking the top off of the defense. At the end of the day, his big benefit is um, kind of twofold. It's There are very few people who are as fast as him, and there are very few people who are as fast as him who also block like him. And that's one thing that we've talked about the Chiefs recently and you know, coming off of this Miami argument, right? Um, with Kelsey playing tight end, they really lacked a level of physicality in terms of like what they can do with the run game. Now they have the, him, uh, MVS, you know, and, and Juju, two big body guys who can contribute you know, in the blocking game in a way that like, you know, a Tyreek Hill or a Travis Kelsey maybe didn't for, you know, relative to what their positions are. So I think MVS is a guy who helps people around him a whole lot more than he necessarily benefits from his own skill set. With that being said, like three, three for 30 with 18 million guaranteed over the first two years, that's, I understand why the Packers didn't pay that, especially with the situation that they're in right now with, you know, all the picks that they have, you know, at the top end of the draft. Um, it sounds like the Saints were willing to offer a two-year deal. The Packers were willing to offer a one-year deal. MVS was able to get that three-year deal after a visit to KC. We'll see how it turns out, but the the speed-for-speed speed tweet that Pelissero tweeted out is, is still just ringing in my ears because I, I can't believe people would just look at Tyreek and MVS and say, that's a similar guy. I mean, MVS is, to me, kind of like, like a Ted Ginn type of player where it's like the speed of him – helps open up the offense for other people, but you don't necessarily see the production for him specifically. That was a, that was a chiefs PR tweet. (laughs) That's all all that was. Yeah. I just like, as a, a, as a chiefs fan, I have to ask you, Steven, like when you see the deal. So I, I mean, as somebody who has been a huge Juju Smith Schuster backer myself, um, seeing the difference in deal from what Juju Smith-Schuster got versus Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like absolutely jarring, uh, shocking to me to see the variance in that deal. Um, obviously, Juju could make up to like ten million, but I mean that that was a very rich deal for a wide receiver. That I mean, we 
really haven't seen prove himself whatsoever. We've seen Juju's upside, but we haven't seen Valdez Scantling. Where does like how do you view these two deals in relation to each other? I think Juju is obviously the better deal and in all likelihood is going to wind up probably being the more important player for this offense next season. Um, it felt like an overreaction. Like they traded Tyreek Hill and they were like, okay, we got to do something. We got, we got to make a splash and they overpaid MVS, but it's what got him here because you know, the Packers were reportedly interested in bringing him back. The saints were reportedly like really close to signing him. And the chiefs came in at the last minute and said, here's $30 million. And I don't love the contract, but they freed up so much money with Tyreek Hill and, you know, they could still even free up more money if they want by restructuring some of Patrick Mahomes money. So the chiefs went from being really cap strapped with Tyreek Hill to all of a sudden having all this expendable income. And they were just like, okay, let's just throw this money at a fast wide receiver. So we get some speed in here. That's the thing. You, you had all this expendable income and then you decide to go and spend it out on a, a 27 year old wide receiver. He's going to turn 28 in the 2022 season, uh, who's never cracked 690 receiving yards. That I think was one of the worst signings we've seen all off. And we've seen some like really atrocious signings. Um, Shame on Juju Smith-Schuster's agent. I'm still going to say it. I'm still outraged. Um, But I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like you said, he's going to be the speed option, but I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, I can still easily see see him having 90 receptions next year. He's going to be a change. We fully expect Juju to have more production than MVS, right? Yes, 100%. Easily. Handedly. Because I think people would look at the contracts and they would say, okay, you know, on paper right now, MVS is the quote-unquote number one receiver in Kansas City. I mean, obviously, it's going to be Kelsey, you know, moving forward, but like, you would think that, you know, just off of guaranteed money spent investment um, over multiple years, MVS would would see the majority of the production at wide receiver. But I think Juju is if he doubled what what MVS, you know, put up in terms of the numbers in, in 2022, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I think that's a perfectly reasonable expectation. And I don't love the MVS deal. I, I do think that it was just an overcorrection from the Tyreek Hill trade. So they paid him too much money in my opinion, but they're hoping they can get more out of him. I am curious about the chiefs offense moving forward where I don't really understand the interest in Ronald Jones. Um, I think Ronald Jones can be like a, a fine early down running back, but he has shown throughout his entire career. He is just not a pass catcher. Like that is just not a, an element of the NFL game that he brings to the table. But I have to assume that maybe this means the Chiefs are finally going to start utilizing Clyde Edwards-Alaire a little bit more in the passing game because we saw what Jarek McKinnon did for their offense in the playoffs last year where he really unlocked an element of their offense that they've been missing since Damian Williams, since Kareem Hunt. And that's always kind of been a staple of the Andy Reid offense. So I would have to imagine there's going to be an emphasis of that. Like maybe it is going to go back a little bit more to the Alex Smith days to – you know, the Jamal Charles led chiefs offenses, even like the Andy Reed offenses with Brian Westbrook and stuff back in Philadelphia. Like 
they've got to find ways to just get the ball to playmakers. And if Clyde is still a guy that you view as a playmaker, like he's got to be heavily involved in the offense in that way, or they got to bring in another pass catching running back, which is why the Ronald Jones thing just makes zero sense to me. Feels like they're getting bigger. Feels like this is kind of how you would build a team around like a Tom Brady, right? Like you're talking about Ronald Jones as kind of like a power back MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster kind of being uh, bigger tight ends who can, you know, be more involved in the run game. I'm not sure we were asking for that necessarily for, for Patrick Mahomes. Like if they start lining up in like the I formation or something, and it's just like wide receivers crack blocking safeties with, with Patrick Mahomes under center, like I'm, I'm not sure that's what we asked for. Um, I guess we'll see what it's like moving forward. I, I, I don't understand how, all these guys fit up with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Cause you would figure like ask new Orleans about like uh, what's his name? Dante uh, Harris. Is that the, the receiver returner? Uh, Deontay the Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Deontay Harris. Like I, I would think like those guys are like a Jakeem Grant, right. Who just got signed by uh, the Chicago bears um, as a key return man. And as, as a speed receiver, I feel like those guys fit kind of Casey's MO in recent years more than the guys that they ended up grabbing. But shouts to uh, MVS's agent because I, I feel like he played this market perfectly. He was like, hey, wait it out. Someone will panic by. And, and they found their panic by. So I, I do think that we're overlooking McCole Hardman a little bit in all of this, too. Like we saw him become a bigger part of the offense down the stretch for the Chiefs last season. And I'm not going to be the guy that takes a big swing on McCall Hardman in my I was fantasy say, drafts. We've, we've heard this for a couple of years, <laughs> but you know, the opportunities there, I, I think the chiefs are going to draft a wide receiver. I think they have to, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the show, but he's another guy that you're going to have to look at in this offense. I do think that there is something to, you know, the way the market played out and the chiefs wind up winding up deciding to move on from Tyree kill. Like they were going to have to do this. Eventually they were going to have to kind of break up the squad, break up the dynasty and start planning for the future because the future is just Patrick Mahomes and, and whatever you can put around him. And so there is something to the idea that the AFC is just so stacked this season and Tyree kill wanted out and Brett Veach and Andy Reed were just like, all right, let's blow it up a year early. Let's just, while everybody else is really, really good, maybe we're not a Super Bowl contender this upcoming season, but we can get some younger players in here and we can get some cornerstones for the future. So I, at least as for Arrowhead pride for Kansas City Chiefs fans, that's what I'm telling myself. That's what I want to believe anyways. But we did, uh, we do have an NFL Reacts poll. It's who is the best team in the AFC West? The Chiefs still coming out on top with 64% of the vote. Now, this might have come out uh, a little bit before the Tyreek Hill trade. I have to imagine that number is going to change a little bit. But the Chargers coming in at 20%, Denver coming in at 10%, and the Raiders coming in at 7%. If the season started today, I think the Chiefs should be that team that's like closer to Denver or Las Vegas, personally, with the way this roster is currently built. Um, I, I still think it's shocking they got 64% of the vote even before the Tyreek Hill trade, just because of how stacked everybody else is. And, and I think that they're they had too many roster holes even before that trade, and now they just created an even bigger one. So I think a lot of this is just the Patrick Mahomes treatment. I think so too, but like even right now I'm looking on DraftKings, right? 
Buffalo's number one in Super Bowl odds. Tampa's number two. And then the Chiefs and Packers are tied for three at, at, at plus 900. So even though, you know, this certainly should impact, like, what the upside of the Kansas City Chiefs are, right? Like a guy like Tyreek Hill leaving. It, it seems like the market overall is still pretty high on, on the Chiefs. You know, obviously number one in the AFC West uh, division, number one in the AFC West in terms of Super Bowl odds, number two in the AFC overall, and number three in the NFL overall. Yeah, it, it's I, I think it's it's the Packers, it's Rodgers, it, it's Mahomes. Like it's that kind of treatment where Patrick Mahomes is so good and maybe you're just going to get Patrick Mahomes on another level because it's going to be even harder for him next season that I, I think there's just still a lot of faith in what they can do. And and I don't think we should be writing off the Chiefs. It's you know Derek Carr is still a quarterback in your division despite what the Raiders have done to that roster, even if I do think that they're going to be really good next season. But We'll see how it unfolds in Kansas City and, and how it unfolds for the Miami Dolphins. But let's take a quick time out. And when we get back, uh, we're going to discuss Deshaun Watson. And he's actually expected to have his introductory press conference in Cleveland later today. Discuss his impact on that roster, what we can expect moving forward, and why there's obvious complications with Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland. And then we're going to talk about the NFL draft a little bit and some wide receiver needy teams that could be on the move. That's coming up next on NFL Reacts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kate Majuk of DK Nation. Now, I was out last week, and you guys did a fantastic job uh, holding down the fort for me because I couldn't speak, and I uh, I sounded like a 12-year-old every time I tried to string sentences together. My voice was cracking, and it just sounded absolutely awful, but... We didn't get to talk about the Deshaun Watson deal to the Cleveland Browns. It happened just uh, an hour or two after you guys recorded last week's episode. Obviously, morally, um, there's a lot of issues with this. Uh, There's a lot of morally bankrupt things going on right now in Cleveland that have ruined my fandom uh, for the Cleveland Browns personally. Um, it doesn't say much about Jimmy Haslam and the organization, uh, especially when they put out that weak statement uh, about, you know, going into everything that's going on with Deshaun Watson. When it comes down to it, you made him the highest paid player in NFL history, gave him the most guaranteed money, and you gave him a base salary that makes sure he loses as little money as possible when he inevitably gets fined by the NFL this upcoming season, but or gets suspended by the NFL this upcoming season. But 
we do have to talk about the fantasy implications a little bit and the impact of what he's going to bring to the table in Cleveland, because it's obviously substantial. That's why we've been talking about this for so long. That's why this has been such a big story because when he is on the football field, he is, you know, a top five player at the most important position. And obviously it's going to have a huge impact on those guys in Cleveland. So your guys' thoughts on the Deshaun Watson deal. Uh, you know, we could talk about the fantasy stuff. We can talk about any, anything really you want to get off your chest when it comes to the new Cleveland Browns quarterback. Well, obviously, we've we've talked about the off-field stuff a ton, and I don't even know what more you could say at this point, right? Like, it, it's just a bad look for the league. It's a bummer overall. Um, bummer for – I don't even think it's like a uh, – I don't even think it's uh, – stretch to say like bummer for the country for the justice system um but obviously in terms of his fit with cleveland you know for a quarterback there's not very many places other than cleveland that you could say like is a a better fit for a guy like this right like you have a tight end in in joku who they just franchise tag you're getting amari cooper donovan peoples jones you have two smaller wide receivers who have elite speed and are elite movers and Jakeem Grant, who we already brought up earlier in this um, from the Chicago bears and Anthony Schwartz, who last year was a rookie who's taken in the top hundred didn't show, you know, that much, but again, you know, rookie wide receivers, we know how they kind of lag a little bit, especially when they're uh, project guys like him, they have a solid offensive line. If they're still in the Will Fuller race, which it sounds like, you know, Will Fuller kind of wanted to play with Deshaun, you know, obviously they have, uh, some some playing time together, you know, back in Houston. Um, if, if they're able to land him, I mean, they have, what, five legit wide receiver prospects, a tight end. Obviously, their backfield between, you know, Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Dearness Johnson kind of having his breakout last year in an offensive line, like, they should be able to put up numbers. The question is just, like, I guess from a fantasy perspective, is just, like, how many games is Deshaun actually going to end up playing, right? We, we saw... The, the big comparison you can always point to is is uh, Ben Roethlisberger, where you get contract or uh, conduct, what, detrimental to the league, where it was a six-game suspension that went down to four. Um, we saw, what, we're recording this on a Friday yesterday. Uh, there, there, another county opened up an investigation to see, you know, if they should press charges on Deshaun Watson. I don't know how many more counties um, there are. I don't know if that's the last one for him. I, I'm not that privy to kind of his ongoing cases. Um, they obviously, you know, uh, chose not to uh, press charges for him or press charges on him, but we'll see what that's like moving forward. Then you have the civil case that's coming up. So how many of these games are, is Jacoby Brissett going to be under center instead of, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson. And then obviously the, 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 uh, the Browns are trying to move off of Baker Mayfield to clear up some cap space, but it sounds like at this point, Everyone who needed a quarterback got a quarterback, and anyone else is like, ah, we're good on Baker Mayfield at that price, you know, between what you would get in a trade for him and uh, what his, you know, cap hit in terms of his cash would be in a, in a fifth-year option. So if they have to eat the cap space for, for Baker Mayfield and just basically pay him in full, um, that's not a lot of money in cap space that you have to throw around to guys like Will Fuller and stuff. So – I feel like this is very much like a touch and go situation. Like obviously a lot of people aren't making fantasy decisions in March, but like this is definitely one where 
what you might think is happening in March could be totally different by August, you know, one way or another. Yeah. And I want to make it clear for me personally, like my fantasy teams are not going to have Deshaun Watson on them next season. And I understand that some people are fine with drafting him and looking past that stuff. Like I'm just simply not going to approach him in any of my fantasy leagues, but we'd be doing a disservice to you guys. If we don't talk about the impact that he is inevitably going to have in fantasy football, because it's obviously a large one. Um, you know, if they bring in Will Fuller and, you know, they already have Amari Cooper and all the guys that she mentioned and their offensive line's still good. I know they cut J.C. Treader, but they still have young, talented offensive linemen. Their defense is one of the younger, better defenses and deeper defenses in the NFL. There's a case to be made that this Cleveland Browns roster is one of the best rosters in the NFL. And you add Deshaun Watson into the mix and assuming he is still that top five caliber quarterback, they could be a real problem in the AFC and they're going to be loaded with potential fantasy contributors. Like that's just the reality here. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski is, I I think a, a solid offensive minded head coach. So, These are guys that, yeah, we have to wait and see. And, you know, if the NFL legitimately, if Roger legitimately cares at all about what this whole process from the Browns and Jimmy Haslam and really the other teams in the NFL, like if they care at all about the image of the league, you know, they would just suspend Deshaun Watson for the entirety of next season. But we'll have to wait and see how they didn't suspend him last year when there were ongoing investigations and stuff. So I, I wouldn't assume that that's coming again i think the most we're probably going to see here unless there's any sort of legal development is you know six games and then probably knocked down from there yeah and you know last season the kind of excuse that they were putting out there was like well you know we we have to wait and see we can't put him on the exemplist because he's not trying to play anyways and so that was like the nfl's excuse for just never punishing him was that Oh, he's not going to play anyway. So there's no reason for us to do anything. He's just sitting out and getting paychecks for not playing football. Yeah, they said it was a contract dispute, basically. Yeah. And so I would think that they would probably do something this season. But yeah, I agree with you. It, it feels like it's probably going to be a more like six to eight game thing. And so once we know more about that, you can kind of adjust if you want to draft him on your fantasy football team. You can kind of adjust because he, he's going to be available and he's going to be there, especially once we know if he's getting suspended or not. He's just not a player that I'm willing to go after in my fantasy football leagues personally. Um, I do want to get into this conversation with you, and it's something that we've been talking about a, a lot over the last couple of days in the NFL draft. And we're going to start talking a lot more NFL draft on, on this show for you guys, me and justice, especially we're talking about it before the show that like, we feel like we're behind the ball a little bit on this stuff because, you know, this is normally the time of the year where we are totally juiced for NFL draft. We're loading up on prospects and figuring out like, Oh man, I can't imagine this dude in this offense or, or wherever we want to see these guys go in the draft. But the NFL offseason has been so crazy. There's been so many things going on we haven't really gotten to get into the draft as much as we'd like to. And we already talked about the chiefs a lot in this episode and everybody knows you cover the green Bay Packers. Um, They're both going to be 
heavy in the market for a wide receiver in this upcoming NFL draft. And the chiefs have two first round picks. The Packers have two first round picks at 22 and 28, I believe. And then the chiefs are at 29 and 30. I think that is the window to see some serious like draft day trade action for this NFL draft. If that wide receiver that you want and Jamison Williams is a guy that we've talked a lot about that I absolutely love. I think he's a star. Obviously he's coming off the national championship game injury, which people think could make him fall a little bit, but he's such a prime prospect that it's still really unlikely even coming off that injury that he falls out of the first round. I think that the Philadelphia Eagles at 19 and they've got three first round picks this year. I think that 19 spot is a a real, real strong possibility that you could trade up and grab that premium wide receiver in the upcoming draft. No, I agree with the Philadelphia Eagles having three picks, um, you know, 15, 16, 19. I feel like we could bet on Philadelphia not making all three of those picks at at, at all three of those slots, right? Like they're going to move around in some way, form or fashion. The other thing that we mentioned, like MVS, right? He was one of the big free agents who was left. Um, we heard uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, being tied to the New Orleans Saints. We heard MVS being tied to the New Orleans Saints. They're picking at 19. So that's right before the Philadelphia Eagles third slot. And then you have, you know, New England, Green Bay, and then that run of teams that like lost someone this offseason, right? The Cardinals, they lost Christian Kirk. Andy Isabella is on the trade market. The Dallas Cowboys, they lost, you know, Amari Cooper. Um, Buffalo Bills had to let go. Cole Beasley, 26. The Tennessee Titans had to uh, release Julio Jones. And then, it, yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are probably out of the, the wide receiver race. And then it's Green Bay Packers, Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, right? So I feel like Green Bay almost has to take a wide receiver at 22 because I don't think anyone's going to be left at 28. Like it just sticks out like such a sore thumb. The Kansas city chiefs have the ability easily to, to move around and move up into that range. Every team in between, you know, the Packers two selections can use a wide receiver. I really do think it's like that run, right? That, that the saints start it at, at 18 and then it ends with the last chiefs pick. And it's like, there's five wide receivers right now. I'm looking at the consensus draft board. There's five wide receivers right now who are projected as first round picks. Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, and Traylon Burks. All those guys should be off the board in that run. You know, the wide receiver run might really start at, you know, Philly at 15 because they've got 15 and 16. They need another wide receiver. Obviously, they've got Devontae Smith, but that was the big issue. For them last season, you know, they, they've got other problems, but the Eagles really needed somebody besides Devontae Smith to make plays because they, they just couldn't rely on some of the other guys that they had, like Quez Watkins and, and Jalen Rieger. So they could be in the wide receiver market there, but they can get that guy that they want at the 15 or 16 pick. And then the Chargers, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. They could go get another wide receiver. They We've talked about a lot. Justin Herbert needs another speed guy. They need another explosive guy for that offense. But their defensive line, even with the additions that they've made, they've got to do something about that to make sure that that defensive line is actually put in place and is going to hold up for the future because it was the biggest weakness on their team last season. So I do think that that's the window and the saints probably going wide receiver at 18. Yeah. That spot right there with Philly is perfect for a trade up to try to go get that guy. And you know, you mentioned uh, 
the the top five wide receivers that are projected to go in the first round. Like I really like George Pickens. I think he's a, mm-hmm. a player who could wind up being available for the Chiefs. But that's where I get scared and say like you probably have to trade up because I know George Pickens is projected as like an early second round pick. But when you look at the board and look at all these wide receiver needy teams, he could wind up being a guy that sneaks up a little bit. And so you can't really wait till 29 or till 30 to make sure you get one of these wide receivers because it's the biggest hole on the chiefs roster right now. So let's make it happen. Let's, let's make a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles at number 19. And I don't think this is a bad draft to trade up in. Honestly, um, you, you look at kind of how everyone's talked about this draft class in general, and there's not a ton of like blue chip prospects, right? Like th- this draft is deep, but it's not necessarily top heavy. Um, the other thing, too, is when we're talking about wide receivers and like you were talking about with the uh, the Chargers, right? Like the Chargers need speed at wide receiver. That even limits your pool even more because you're talking about the, these top five wide receivers in this draft class. Garrett Wilson's a vertical guy. Chris Olave, I think he kind of do a little bit of everything. Jamison Williams is like not even just a vertical guy. He's like, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill type of potential. Not necessarily he's there right now, but like in terms of his pure speed, like that's where he's at. The other two guys, Drake London and Traylon Burks. Burks, I thought, you know, coming into the combine and stuff, everyone thought he was going to be a little bit more athletic than he is. He's obviously still very athletic for his size. Um, he's, he's a big dude, but he didn't run any better at his pro day than he did at, at the, at the combine. He was running mid five, five or four fives. Um, Drake London has never been tabbed as kind of like that speed wide receiver. He was kind of more of like a big body guy somewhere in between like probably like Alan Lazard and like T Higgins is probably where, where I'd say he's at. Um, so if you're looking at speed, I mean, that knocks off two, two of the top five wide receivers in this draft class alone so you're, you're looking at a pool of three guys and that that's really where we start talking about all right then you got to start moving up right two of them go off the board then you have to start making phone calls and saying like all right well we got to move up because our guy isn't going to fall to us right so if, if we want it to happen we have to make it happen yeah and i don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility that pittsburgh could be interested in moving back they're at 20 so I think with them, it kind of depends on what quarterbacks are on the board and if their guy is still available. And if he is not available, I, I think that Pittsburgh could be in the market to try to just move back and, and continue to load up and say, OK, well, we got Mitch. We're going to see what we can get out of him this year and then head into next year and try to get our quarterback. So this draft has some strong potential for a lot of movement on draft day. Like, I'm really excited about that. Um You know, the Arizona Cardinals are another team. They could use another wide receiver probably. But, you know, after just taking Rondale Moore high in last year's draft and you still have DeAndre Hopkins, they got too many other issues on that roster that they have to address. They they need a pass rusher bad now after they let Hassan Reddick go and back to in uh, last offseason. They lost Chandler Jones this offseason, but they still got J.J. Watts. (laughs) They they need another pass rusher there in Arizona. So. And then Zayvon Collins was kind of that hybrid linebacker pass rusher for them. And he was getting rotated out of the lineup fully like mid season for uh, what's his name, Joe Walker. And then they let Joe Walker go. So it's definitely weird roster construction in Arizona. The other thing too, is like their offensive line, right? They have like Rodney Hudson. And then it's like four holes. basically. It's like, okay, we have like an all-star center and they're kind of the example, right? Of like, 
one offensive lineman only goes so far. Or it's like yeah. you'd rather be have C's across the board than one A and a bunch of D's. If that makes yeah. any sense. So yeah, they should not be in the wide receiver market, but with the depth in this class, with the wide receiver needs uh, amongst these top teams too, because it's not like, you know, we're just talking about teams that are rebuilding and have a big hole at wide receiver, but they've got all these other things they need to fix. Like we're talking about the Packers and the chiefs. Like these are two contending teams that are supposed to be at the top of their conferences, supposed to be playoff teams contending for super bowls. They're going to be looking to add those impact players that they feel like they can bank on from day one. So I think there's going to be a lot of action in the draft. I'm, I'm excited. NFL offseason, let's slow down a little bit. I don't think there's any other big-name players uh, that are trying to change teams unless you believe these totally unmerited rumors flying around that Tom Brady wants to go to Miami now. Uh, yeah, what the heck is that? I'm not buying it. I, I think we can say that you know the action's going to slow down a little bit from here so we can focus a little bit more on the NFL draft. Well, I hope and- not. Hopefully Terry McLaurin or DK Metcalf throw fit and we can get them in Green Bay. Let's well, that it. would be that would be great too. I was uh, just the propaganda. Just from a football standpoint, I would love to see Terry in Green Bay. I would love to see Terry in Kansas City. Uh, just get him a quarterback because he's got like fifteen hundred yard, fifteen touchdown potential. If you could just find him anybody who could throw him the football, Terry's that good of a player. But thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you each and every week. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J U M O S. Oh, let me cut that. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow Kate at FF Ball Blast. I'm Stephen Serta. That's where you can find me. Please make sure you, you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. While you're there, please leave a review. We will talk to you guys next week. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.